So if you're just now uh, joining us, we want to welcome you to worship at Bethany United Methodist Church, where we are leading people to experience God's love, to know Jesus Christ, and to grow in His image. We're glad you've chosen to worship with us this morning. Uh, if you're watching on a computer or a device where you have the uh, live chat shown on the screen, uh, you can uh, have some conversation or ask questions uh, if you like for our hosts on that. Uh, and again, as Sherry has already instructed, uh, if you go to the website, you can find all kinds of information. We're in this series talking about faithfulness, and uh, we've talked about past and present. This morning, we're going to talk about faithfulness future. And uh, as we start this, I, I thought back to uh, uh, one of the Psalms that we used to read when I was young, Psalm 121. And this is the King James version of it, because that's what we were reading when I was very young. Um, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills, from whence cometh my help. And in that passage, you know, when I was reading it as young, I was thinking of, you know, our help comes from the hills, and that probably was influenced some by the fact that we used to do our church retreat out in the hill country, and so there was some connection there. But, but also um, just some understanding of the history of Israel, that oftentimes the, the hills were important. Uh, it's oftentimes where they built fortresses, uh, the very familiar fortress of Masada, which is built on top of a butte uh, in the Dead Sea Valley. And, uh, and as you can see from looking at the picture, it was, it was quite a large uh, fortress. Uh, the top of the butte there has a, uh, a wall that goes around it. And within that area, there are uh, living quarters, uh, there's parade grounds, uh, there's storage for foodstuffs, uh, huge cisterns to store water. And then if you look kind of toward the left of the photo, uh, you can see there's a promontory that comes out and you can see structures on that. Uh, that actually was Herod's palace and it was built over there so that uh, no one could get into that palace without coming by that very narrow footpath, which made him feel uh, more secure in this location. Uh, this is one of the, the greater uh, fortresses that was built in Israel and in, uh, was the last to fall to Rome, uh, if you know your history. Uh, and uh, it's carries a significant uh, meaning for the people of Israel, even to this day. Uh, when young men and women come into their military services, this is where they go to have their uh, final vow and commissioning as they join uh, in that commitment to serve and protect their country. So, uh, so, you know, this is one that most of us are familiar with, Masada. We've seen it and probably read books or seen movies about it. Another one that's uh, of equal importance in the history of Israel is Megiddo. And uh, this, again, you can see it's built on the top of a hill. It's a rather large fortress. Uh, again, with all kinds of storerooms and places for soldiers. Uh, it is on this hill, which is at the base of the pass through the Mount Carmel Highlands. Uh, and you pass through that as you go down to the Jezreel Valley, which you can see here in the picture is uh, the, the very verdant, lush uh, area of Israel where all the crops are planted and things are grown. And so this occupied a very strategic location. Uh, anyone coming from the north of Israel would have to pass by this. And so this became a very important fortress uh, to defend Israel. Uh, and, and to us as Christians, we are probably more familiar because it is the location of that final battle that's known as Armageddon uh, it takes place in this location. So for, for people in, in the Hebrews, uh, you know, the, the, from the hills, you know, really that was where their help often came. That's how they thought of that. And, and, and that was kind of how the psalm begins. But the psalmist doesn't leave it there. Uh, the psalmist takes it further than that. So I'm going to invite you to do a little responsive reading with me. This is uh, Psalm 121, uh, and uh, this is a later version of it. I will be reading the text in gray, and you'll be reading the text in white, and those of you in the congregation. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From whence does my help come? 
The Lord will not let your foot be moved. The Lord who keeps you will not slumber. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not smite you by day. Nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil and will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time on and forever. Did you hear the, the promise? It starts where you might think of me when my help comes from the hills, from these fortresses, but it quickly shifts. To say, no, actually, my, my help comes from the Lord. That, that's actually where my help comes from. Uh, in, in the time I'm in, and actually forever, all, all my going out, all the times I leave someplace, all my coming in, all the times I arrive someplace, uh, all of my life is, is held in God's hands uh, from this time on and forevermore. Uh, not not just, just for the moment, but forevermore. Our help is in God, and God is the one who holds our future. So let's pray. Lord, we give you thanks that you are the one who holds our future. And we ask as we are here in this space, you join us in worship and open our spirits and our hearts and our minds to what you would say to us. I let the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Now, thinking that God is our help, uh, both in the present and, and in the future, uh, you know, leads us to those times when we pray into that and, and we look for God to act. And uh, even in the early church, sometimes uh, people got a little frustrated because God didn't seem to act on their schedule when they expected God to do things. And so you have Peter writing to uh, his brothers and sisters saying, Do not ignore this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like one day. Now, there's a subjective side to that that most of us have experienced at one time or another. You know, when you were young and you were waiting for your birthday to come up, it seemed like every day was a thousand years. It just wasn't ever going to get here. But if, if you had an appointment to go to the doctor to get a shot, it seemed like, you know, a thousand years went by in a day. Everything came too fast. And so there's that subjective side. But, but Peter's also reminding us that God, as the creator... Uh, as the creator is the one who has created time itself. And so God doesn't operate in time in the same way we do. And that, that can be very frustrating at times. I, I, I can identify that when times when you pray and you pray and you pray and you wonder why God isn't responding the way you think God's going to. Uh, and, and, and we wrestle with that, uh, that reality of that. Uh, and sometimes it, it's a good reminder to us to remember you know, that, that God really is the God of who, who's created all that is. And, and we, with our understandings now about the fact that we exist in this kind of space-time fabric uh, that this is, uh, this is how our existence is, uh, understand that God actually as the creator is existing outside of that and beyond that. Uh, but even in the early church, they understood that as the creator, there was more there, that God had more there than, than the kind of time understandings we did, that God was eternal and thus time was very different. Now, during the Enlightenment period, what happened with this, this idea that, that God was beyond creation and thus God was eternal and, and didn't really operate in time like we did, uh, there was this idea that came uh, into being uh, and, and was kind of formally uh, christened as deism. And deism held that uh, really all revelations of God are, are valid revelations of God. But, but for this morning, the more relevant revel uh, idea was what was sometimes called the clockmaker theory. That God in the beginning created all that is, 
and, and set in place all the, the, the laws and everything, and then he wound up the universe like a clockmaker, winds up a clock, and then he steps back, and he just lets it run according to the way he's created it. And sometime in the future, when the clock runs down, God will step back in and wind it up again. And so God really doesn't have contact in our day-to-day kind of lives and and input into our day-to-day being. And in fact, uh, Thomas Jefferson uh, took the scriptures and and, and edited out uh, all of those kinds of uh, things in the scriptures that were miraculous or or mighty works, uh, which he considered to be more mythical than real and produced what's called the Jeffersonian Bible. I think you can still purchase it now if you uh, go online. You can probably find copies available for purchase. But that kind of idea that that God wasn't involved in the day-to-day of our lives, that God really didn't do that kind of thing, uh, came out of that idea. And sometimes that, that kind of you know, kind of bleeds over into us a little bit. I've been with people who have prayed and said, well, you know, I'm going to pray about this, but you know, I don't really expect God to do anything about it. Or, you know, I don't want to bother God. Or, you know, God, I know God's busy. You know, those kinds of statements that we make. But, but the message of Scripture is that God's really involved uh, in our day-to-day reality, in the historical life we're living, in the midst of the world we live in. Uh, for the Hebrew people, the, the Exodus was the huge sign of that when God heard their cry and stepped into history and brought them out of Egypt across the desert to the promised land. But furthermore, God continues to speak to them and remind them, uh, even in the time of exile, when many of them felt they were abandoned, God spoke into that reality to remind them that God was still with them and involved in their lives. Uh, Through his prophet Isaiah, he reminds them, the Lord says, who formed me in the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him and that Israel might be gathered to him for I am honored in the sight of the Lord and my God has become my strength. He says, it is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the survivors of Israel. I will give you as a light to the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. And you're hearing that, you know, God is intimately involved. I I formed you. I shaped you in the womb. I know who you are. I have intentions for you. I have created you for this purpose. Uh, And and you're to be a light to the world. You're to to show my salvation to the ends of the earth. God's very much involved uh, in the reality that we live in, in the history we live in, in the world we live in. And speaking through his prophet Jeremiah, he speaks a word of hope to his people. For thus says the Lord, Only when Babylon's 70 years are completed will I visit you, and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place, Jerusalem. For surely I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for your welfare and not for harm, to give you a future with hope. Then when you call upon me and come and pray to me, I will hear you. When you search for me, you will find me if you seek me with all your heart. The statement, you know, I I have plans for you. I have plans for you. Plans for good things, you know, for welfare, for hope. God God isn't just standing off distance, but God's involved in our lives. And God has plans for our lives and has shaped that. And, 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 And makes this promise to us. You know, if you come looking for me and seeking me, you will find me. I will be there with you. This is not a God who's off distance somewhere watching the world run, you know, like watching a clock run. This is a God who's in the middle of it with us, who's present with us and involved with us, and a God who has plans for us. A little later in Jeremiah, he makes another promise to his people. 
The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant that I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, a covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No longer shall they teach one another or say to each other, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sin no more. This is sometimes referred to the passage, the promise of the new covenant. And that's how it's referenced. And in our reading of the Last Supper, when Jesus holds up the cup and says, This is the cup of the new covenant poured out of my blood. That's a direct reference back to this passage of Scripture. He's referring back to the new covenant, this promise that is being given. And if you listen to it, he says, you know, it's not just going to be that the law is something out here that you're going to follow, but rather I'm going to write it on your hearts. And you're not, people aren't going to say, know the Lord, as if somehow or another the Lord's off somewhere, because God's going to be with them. They'll know me. They'll know me in their heart, the closest, from the least of them to the greatest. God is going to be with us. This promise that God gives to us. And that promise that God gives, that uh, gives us so much hope, gets fulfilled when God chooses to enter into history in a very concrete way in the birth of Jesus Christ. He comes and is born in the midst of our world, in the midst of our history, in the midst of our flesh. And it's such a momentous event that the heavens themselves have to, to give recognition to that, to guide the wise men. I mean, this, this amazing event where God so clearly demonstrates that he is in our world and with us. In every way, in every way. The birth of Christ becomes recognized when he's, he's taken to the temple for his dedication. And there in the temple is a, an old gentleman by the name of Simeon. Uh, in Jerusalem, a man named Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And Simeon recognizes in this child that the new covenant has now become a reality. And what God has done, that God has fulfilled his promise. And, and he doesn't need to wait and see what else is going to happen. You notice he doesn't say, I need to see how all this plays out. He, he recognizes it, claims it, and says, okay, God, I can go now. <laughs> you know, I can come home to heaven now. I, I've seen what you promised. He recognizes that. You know, sometimes that's, that's hard sometimes for us to do, to recognize what God is doing in, in the midst of our lives. Uh, especially when they're in periods of time like we're in now, where life is so crazy and life is so difficult, it's sometimes hard to believe that God is still with us, that God still has plans for our future that are hopeful, that are good. And yet when uh, Jesus is teaching, he reminds us of this in, in the discourse in Matthew as part of uh, the sermon. Uh, he says, everyone who asks receives, everyone who searches finds, Everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. 
Is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for bread, will give a stone? Or if the child asks for a fish, will give a snake? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? I mean, this assurance that, that God has a future for you, and that it's a good thing, and that God has plans in store for you. Sometimes it doesn't look the way we think it's going to look like. Sometimes it's only in hindsight we can look back on it and recognize what God has been doing. I don't know if your life is like that. Uh, but, but sometimes at the moment it's hard to see, but, but this promise comes to us that God has good plans in store for us. I want you to hear a word from our sister Rita. Hello, Bethany. I'm Rita Thompson. I've been a member here for 30 years. And I've been asked to tell you a little bit about uh, trusting in God's future faithfulness. I retired on January 31st, 2020, and my retirement plans included a part-time job. I had three job possibilities when I retired, but then COVID hit. I knew I didn't want to take a job that someone might need to survive, so I asked God to guide my future. He's done this so many times and unsure of what my role should be, and not wanting to just sit still, I applied for a job. After praying that it would be God's will, and before the decision was made, he revealed that this was not where he wanted me. There were conflicts I hadn't thought of. There were also other things that I would be called on for, allowing me to help where I was needing. It also allowed me to be available to help my grandkids at virtual school. I didn't learn to trust him without having experienced his future faithfulness previously. In 2007, I had the perfect job where I felt God was calling using my gifts for his glory. I loved it and I could not even entertain the idea of changing. But God was nudging strongly to consider an offer from a company that I had previously left. After praying, I trusted God's guidance without knowing why I was doing this. It was one of the best things I did. God knew there would be a need for more resources in my future in order to help my family. Had I not listened, we could have lost our home and the ability to help. As the future became the present and the past, I could see the blessings that were given to us for my faithfulness to him for my future. I won't say it's easy, but it really gives you peace when you can release the future to God. At this time, I know I will still want to have a part-time job eventually, but God had shown me it's in his time. I am keeping my eyes open and trusting God and his faithfulness to guide my future plans. Thank you. I wonder how many of you have had that similar kind of experience where in the midst of things you're thinking, okay, God, this is not what I was expecting. This is not what I thought we were supposed to be doing at this point, and what are you up to? And you feel like maybe God's not quite getting it right. Sometimes then looking back on it later, you go, oh, I get it now. Hindsight's always so wonderful. But sometimes when you're in the midst of it, it can be difficult to trust. So what I want to do is I want to give you just a moment to, to have a conversation with someone sitting near you about that. Uh, a time in your life when, when you have felt like, okay, this isn't going the way I thought it was. But then later on, you discovered, oh, actually, God was doing something good for you in that moment. So I'm going to invite you to share, uh, those of you at home, as well as those of you in the room, uh, just share for a few minutes with that. I'm going to give you a few seconds to do that. Five, four, three, two, one. Now, if you'll come back to me. 
in my experience in my life has been oftentimes that when I am in the midst of times that are difficult, sometimes it is hard for me to see God at work. But later on, looking back on it, I can see those places where he was there. And that gives me the strength to trust him uh, with what my future holds. Remember, remember what God tells us. I've inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. God always, always has us in his heart, in his hands, in his mind. And God always has plans for us, plans for a, a future with hope, plans for a future that's good. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time on in the present and forevermore into the future. Um, a couple of weeks ago, we gathered with our leadership here in the church at our leadership gathering. And, uh, and this was a time when uh, we, we get them together and we talk about what the future is going to hold because believe it or not, there is going to be 2021. I mean, I, I know it's kind of hard to get there right now. And, and I appreciate that because with the pandemic and the elections and everything else going on at this point, it's a, it's a little hard to kind of rise above that and see further down the road. But 2021 is going to arrive at some point, and someday the doors will be fully open at this congregation, at this church again. And so we ask them to make a, a financial commitment uh, to support that as we move into 2021. Uh, one of the things we discovered was we, we emailed and we mailed things out and then we didn't hear anything for a while and we started checking with people and we found out that uh, some of the mail did not make it. Uh, a number of the emails got shuffled off into junk mail and so uh, not all of them got a notice as they should have and uh, so we kind of reached back out to them and we're a little behind our, our curve time-wise right now. But as of yesterday, roughly 62% of the administrative board leadership and the staff at the church had made a financial commitment to this congregation for 2021 uh, with a combined total of about $811,400-something. Uh, so that's, that's the start of that. Yeah. It's a tremendous act of faithfulness on their part. And they are encouraging you, sharing that with you, as a way to encourage you to think about uh, your commitment going into 2021. Uh, there has been material placed in the mail. We hope it gets there. Uh, we're, not, we're not real confident, but we hope it all makes it there. Uh, there will be emails coming out. It may end up in your junk mail. You may, may need to watch the, uh, and, and check over there to see if it comes there. Um, but you can also simply go to the church's website, and you'll notice at the top in the blue letters, there's four tabs up there, and one says giving. If you hit that, it will take you to this page, and then you can see there's a box that says electronic estimate of giving. And you can go to that page and put in your name and, and what you intend to give and the frequency of that and so forth. You can set up a recurring payment on this page if you so desire. So uh, you can uh, shape it however you need to shape it for what works for you. And so uh, I want to invite you to consider doing that in the next couple of weeks as we move forward and, and making that commitment to the future that God has for you and also for this congregation. Uh, our, our willingness to trust in that and to support that uh, will have a large bearing on how well we live that out as we move into 2021. I'm just going to remind you, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for your welfare and not for harm, to give you a future with hope. Then when you call upon me and come and pray to me, I will hear you. When you search for me, you will find me if you seek me with all your heart. And we trust that God really cares for us and has plans of blessing for our future. Let's pray.
Mighty Father, we give you thanks that you do hold out hope for us, that you are not off distant and remote and removed from us, but you are present right in the middle of all of this with us. And that even in this time of a pandemic and elections, when it is so hard for us to discern what the future is, we can know that you have plans for our future, that you have seen into that, and that they are plans for goodness and for good things in our lives and for the ministry of this church to continue to be a light to the world. So we ask that you give us an assurance and a confidence in that, that you open our minds and our hearts to see what you hold for us in the future and to be able to trust you with our future. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.